time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Monday, May 2nd, 2022. And I've got joining me on this podcast. We're going to start seeing him come front and center a little bit more is Jack Nunnery. Jack, good to have you on here as a co-host. Appreciate you being here, friend. Good to be here. Yeah, it's good. And this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. We're grateful to have you as our listener. Had a lot of feedback in this last week. Again, all positive about how this is one of the main ways you find out all that's going on. Get a lot of comments on all the segments. So thank you all for contacting me. I appreciate that. I kind of needed that a little bit recently. I don't know why. I need a little encouragement in that, but it's so good. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. In this week's Hot Topic segment, we have someone that I just really enjoy as a human being, Kristen Meserly. She's Vice President of Strategy and Financial Services at Experience.com. We're going to be talking about some of the strategies top performers and loan officers share to differentiate themselves from others and their customers using experience and well as some of the characteristics of next-gen home buyers. Really what we're going to be also talking about is late last week, they announced who received the awards of the experience. So very good, the experience awards. So we're going to be talking about that. So stay tuned to the Hot Topic segment. Kristen will be joining us, and it'll be so good. Looking forward to having her here. First of all, check out all of the industry syndicate podcasts that are out there. I appreciate it very much when you check and give us feedback on all these podcasts. We're proud to be a part of Industry Syndicate. There's many podcasts out there you can listen to that they host, and we're pleased to be a part of it. But anyway, thank you to our sponsors, Mortgage Bankers Association of America, as well as Spinastra for their Fusion Mortgage Bot Solution. They do a great job of helping you connect with consumers in a unique way and sharing all information in one platform with open APIs out to everyone else. That's a big issue. How can you connect all these desperate participants that are out there and connect them together. Finastra's got the solutions with their open APIs. Also, Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative, both of these co-ops, do a great job of helping lenders and vendors get together in a more intimate setting and does not replace the MBA. You hear me saying that all the time. You need to be a member of the MBA, attending the annual conferences. But if you're looking for a deeper connection with some of those peers in the industry that are facing and encountering some of the same issues you are, you need to become a member of Lenders One or the Mortgage Collaborative or better yet, both of them. Also, Total Expert. I tell you, I love what these guys are doing. They turn customer insights into actionable items and they increase loyalty and drive growth for banks, lenders, credit unions, financial institutions. Go listen to the vision that Joe Wellu laid out on March 4th when we interviewed him. Also, Knowledge Coop. Ken Perry, it's a great learning management system, LMS, that will help you communicate to your people. Also, the Mobility MMI, Mortgage Market Intelligence, along with Modex, do a great job in helping you support your recruiting process by getting to facts and not hyperbole. Anyway, SnapDoc, digitizing the mortgage closings and creating a better experience for your closing team and more importantly, for your borrowers. Check out SnapDocs. Listen to the vision that Brianna Ings talked about in her interview on March 28th. Now, I love Success Kit because what they do to help us tell our story. If you're sharing your story, what do you do as a company? How do you help people? 
you've got to go check out what successkit.io can do for you. They help you share your story in a way that is compelling and it's told in a third-party manner and uh, very effective. And so check out some of the ones. We'll be happy to share some of the ones we're doing if you're interested with our consulting firm, Transformational Mortgage Solutions. And I am so pleased with the results. Also, Lender Toolkit. When you look at all the tools that Lender Toolkit brings, all the technology they bring, the way they can help you streamline your business, I'm telling you, you'll get excited about it as many of our clients are who are using Lender Toolkit, as well as the form free. Again, Brent Chandler does a great job of innovating in new ways and they work closely with Fannie Mae. Check out the interview we did with Brent Chandler on February 28th. And then also Simple Nexus, grateful to have them as a sponsor. Listen to the interview we did with Lori Brewer on March 21st. And then also DW Consulting, Debbie Weemus does a great job of helping you get your LinkedIn profile set up in a manner that will represent you fairly when people are checking out you or your company. I'll say a special thank you to Rob Les, Alice, Alan, Matt, and Jack for their contributions each and every week. We did not get something from Rob this week. There's a lot going on at the NBA. I'm just going to encourage you to get signed up with the Mortgage Action Alliance app so you can have your voice heard on the Hill. They are very busy trying to get our voice heard and heard well and accurately. And that's what Mortgage Action Alliance and the NBA does so well. Let's get over to Les Parker's segment on a macro view of the markets. Les, what you got for us? PM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Most meta bearish market. It took good times away. High inflation, low affordability, and wild volatility drag on mortgage rates. Yet rates aren't six, but five makes margins sick. What saves mortgage banking? Low rates, strong GDP, or an expansion in housing inventory? We'll take them all. Please, talk of recession and global political turmoil likely drive rates down. We warned late last year that volatility lies ahead with mortgages underperforming treasuries. Now it's time for mortgages to outperform treasuries. But when it comes to volatility, you ain't seen nothing yet. These views are my own. Find out what to look for at tmspotlight.com. You know, I enjoyed that segment that Les just produced with Gary Canterbone, but more volatility ahead? Ugh, I tell you, we've had enough of it. we got it going on right now in a big way. If you want to receive Les's newsletter, get the paid version for free by going to tmspotlight.com. Subscribe to the paid version and put in the word power for power seller. Let's get over Matt Graham. So rates right now. Yeah, highest rates since either the middle of 2009 or late 2008, depending on whom you ask. So unpleasant environment for originators in terms of the change from where we were to where we are. Naturally, the default come back to that as well. Rates are still low in the bigger picture. So um, the glass half full folks can focus on that. And those who want to freak out can do so based on the fact that it's the sharpest rate rise since the 80s. And even the 1994 crowd has been officially outdone. Now, what's going on to cause all this? Well, it's the same stuff, really. It's the big picture adjustment to the very abrupt shift in the Fed policy outlook that began in earnest in January, but has accelerated at times and then had to deal with a major curveball from the Ukraine war and uh, the commodity price spike that perhaps hasn't filtered through to inflation reports yet. So something remains to be seen on that front. But as far as last week was concerned, it ended up being at first yet another attempt or chance 
for the bond market to sort of consolidate and push back. The previous week was fairly flat, even though yields were higher than the week before that. So Monday and Tuesday started off on a strong note, and bond markets took solace in a potential global growth slowdown, courtesy of the COVID situation in China. That did prompt some conversation about the inflation impact with supply-driven inflation being affected by lockdowns in China. But the growth outlook superseded that at least for the first few days, and it was helped along by early month-end buying. But we didn't have to debate it for too terribly long because uh, shortly thereafter, yields began to rise and then rose in grander fashion on Friday as traders got in position for this week's main event, which would be the Fed on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Before we get to that, quick data recap, mixed bag, but the data didn't help MBS or didn't help the bond market very much. Durable goods really overlooked early in the week, and even if it weren't overlooked, the core capex, the non-defense, excluding aircraft number, which some people would consider to be quote-unquote core durable goods, was 1.0 versus 0.5 forecast, so negative implications there. Some ongoing source of concern in home prices still rising 20% year-over-year with a faster month-over-month price increase despite higher rates in February. We'll see what happens in March, but it does take many months for any effect that we're going to see from rising rates to filter through to home prices. And even then, the bigger impact on prices will likely be cyclical as opposed to rate-based. But I digress. We're here for markets. New home sales, right in line with forecast. They fell month over month, but that was only after a nice upward revision to the previous month. Mortgage applications doing unsurprising things with uh, refi apps being near historic lows. And uh, purchase apps holding fairly steady in the bigger picture, but much lower compared to most of the last two years. GDP was in negative territory, but uh, a lot of people were quick to point out that had almost everything to do with exports, imports, government spending, and inventories, whereas the actual economic driver pieces of GDP were stronger. So that contributed to a reversal after the GDP data and uh, a weak treasury auction process. Not ultra weak, but, you know, lackluster. And uh, a ramp up in expectations for corporate bond issuance pushed yields higher by the end of the week. Then PCE inflation didn't really help either. Core PCE was a tenth of a point lower year over year. That was great. But headline PCE was four tenths of a percent higher month over month. So that includes impacts from fuel and food. And that's not what the bond market wants to see because really it's going to be inflation that dictates the evolution of the Fed policy shift, which is at the core of the big picture rate spike. So now this week, as I said, all eyes on the Fed. What do we know they're going to do? They're definitely going to hike 50 basis points. Uh, Some people have sort of murmured about 75 bips. That probably won't happen. Maybe a less than 5% chance. Call it a 0% chance in the real world. The bigger question for the Fed and for what we see has to do with balance sheet normalization. So this refers to the Fed letting its reinvestments in treasuries and MBS roll off the balance sheet by introducing caps as to how much repayment needs to come into their balance sheet before they would pass through any additional repayment. And they're talking about a $35 billion cap in MBS. And if they instituted that cap, or by the time they're at that cap, there would effectively be no more MBS reinvestment unless we entered some sort of refi boom that caused repayments to go up quickly. The question is how fast they will phase in those caps. And that is really the big question going into the Fed. 
if they were to come right out of the gate with $35 billion. And this was a bit ambiguous listening to uh, Fed Vice Chair Brainerd a couple of weeks ago. At one point, I felt like she was saying they could start $5 billion. But then if you read the minutes, it seems like $35 billion might be the plateau. So if it is indeed the plateau and if the Fed says, hey, we're going to take at least three months to get there, that could actually be a net positive for bond markets. But if the Fed comes out and says we're starting at 35 and then we're going to ramp it up to ensure there's no balance sheet reinvestments, then that would probably have some more pain in store for the bond market. Either way, we'll find out at two o'clock on Wednesday afternoon. The rest of this week's typically important economic data is probably a bit more muted as a result, especially because we know the labor market's firing on all cylinders. Otherwise, we'd say, hey, it's NFP week and we're going to watch the jobs report. In fact, not really domestic economic data at all. As far as the runner up in terms of importance, probably looking at the Bank of England announcement on yeah. Thursday morning. Yeah. So really, it's a Wednesday afternoon type of week. And I think we'll see a lot more about whether things are accelerating or reversing course after that. But I have said for weeks on end that we need clarity on how the Fed is going to approach balance sheet normalization before the bond market even has a chance of stabilizing. Mm-hmm. And the supporting actor there would be inflation data needs to help confirm their narrative. But it'd be a great first step just to get the clarity on the table and we'll have it on Wednesday. That's all I got for this week, Dave. That's all you got? Jack, come That's on, let's get some commentary. Sure, David. I'm interested in bringing Les's comment, combining it with what Matt said, and then Matt, your thoughts on all this. This is really interesting. I think Matt's comments were very timely and very on point. I mean, this is going to be all about the Fed this week. Mm-hmm. 50 basis points, that's priced into the market. Don't take your eye off the ball, and the ball is the Fed, right? I mean, because I think the next three months are, are going to basically show the hawkishness of the Fed. 50 basis points in May, there's chatter in the market, 75 basis points possibly for June, and then another 50 basis points following in July. And when you look at that, David, we could be in a new target range of 200 to 225 basis points for the Fed funds rate when we exit July. So we're going to see volatility here in the beginning of the summer. The one question that I have to wrestle with is the impact to the markets, to rates on the Fed scaling down the balance sheet. Back in 2017, 2018, we saw the Fed uh, reel back in the balance sheet, basically looking at a clip of about $50 billion a month based upon Brainerd's comments, some of the very hawkish comments by Powell, we could be looking at 2x on that, or almost 2x, at $95 billion a month. And so, Matt, do you have any thoughts about if the Fed moves at that rate to to shrink the balance sheet, what are things that we need to be looking for in the marketplace as potential impacts from that quick of a drawdown on the balance sheet? Yeah, so fortunately, I think that that's what the market has been doing for the past several months, is pricing in this new reality. And as we saw in, in 2017 and especially 2018, there is potentially a little bit of extra pain to, to be felt. But I think this time around, they've been clear enough, at least recently, about how quickly things could unwind and about how they're going to be moving faster to normalize the balance sheet that I think the market has probably done a much better job of getting ahead of where it wants to be in terms of spread widening. So if MBS are, say, 120 bips over a five and 10-year treasury blend right now, which you don't really need to know what that means. If you're a listener doesn't know what it means, it just means that 120 Mm -hmm. bips, the higher that number goes, the worse it is for mortgage performance versus treasury performance. We were down in the uh, 60 bip range. So 60 bips of spread widening 
would generally over time mean that a top tier mortgage rate could rise 60 additional basis points on top of whatever the five and 10 year treasury yield rise would suggest. So that's how much damage has been done so far. It takes us back to levels from late 2013. And if things got really bad, I mean, that number could go up to 1.6 to 1.8. I think that's probably sort of a hard limit and even less said in his segment that that spread could be tightening. And I do think that any bond market stability in terms of, uh, let's say, 10-year yields go, I don't know, just hypothetically, they go up to 3.25 and then top out and, and don't go any higher. MBS should be tightening from that point on. And then the clarity from the Fed should help them tighten as well. They're a comparatively higher yielding investment. But all of that's predicated on inflation stabilizing and falling, as it would do if, even if it stabilizes, it will fall because it's a year-over-year number ultimately. So let's just say monthly inflation would need to stabilize around 0.2, somewhere around there. And then spreads would be tightening. So I'm not sure if I evaded your question or answered it or, or made up a different question to answer, but... Uh, Presented a question within I, a question. That's good, yeah. You know, I, well, I think the yeah, answer I, was relevant to our listeners, Matt. Basically, you know, what just, I'm saying is that I think it's going to be hard for the Fed to surprise the mortgage market too terribly much in a way that causes spreads to blow out more than they already have, just because we do have a fairly hawkish option on the table and spelled out in relatively specific detail in the Fed minutes. So if that $35 billion Again, as an initial number for MBS, that'll be a bit bumpy. But if it's an eventual number and the Fed says, hey, we're going to phase this in over five months, seven billion bucks a month, that'll be groovy. People love that. Spreads should tighten right away. Well, I certainly agree that painful as it has been over the last several months, the Fed has been very transparent in their hawkish messaging to the market. So none of this should come as a surprise to the markets, and it should be relatively priced in at this point. So my hat's off to the Fed for not sneaking up on the markets. And we'll just see how this all plays out over the next 90 days. It's going to be interesting. Matt, thanks so much for your report each week. I encourage listeners. We have so many of our listeners already signed up for your service, Matt, and they just love it. I get a lot of feedback on it. So one of the benefits of listening to the podcast is getting introduced to Matt's service, and then they've really come to enjoy your commentary. They love me giving you a bad time about your Eeyore-type personality and your approach. They go, thank God it markets like this, that he is calmly telling us what's going on out there. Folks, if you're not signed up already, go ahead and sign up at mbslive.net. You can also use the sign-up code for an extended trial without a need of a credit card. At that website, if you just put in LOL for Lickin' on Lending. Great job, Matt. Appreciate you so much. Thanks, Dave. Yep. Anyway, let's get over to Alice Alvey. She's here with the legislative update. Alice, good to have you here. Alice is Master CMB Vice President, Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. We're good to have you here. Always glad to have you, Alice. What you got going on? Thank you. Well, that discussion that you all just had was worth listening to again. So I mm-hmm. thought it was great. Great background, great detail. And I think Les is right. Just hang on. We've got a lot more of a ride to go here. But it was great insight, like you said, to calm down about the markets. <laughs> so from my perspective, one of the things that's nice about what's going on here is Congress doesn't seem to be paying attention to us from a regulatory standpoint. And the agencies <laughs> are really focused on the servicing in this type of a market. Yes. How are bars being treated? I think the forbearances are unwinding. They're watching that 
that closely. So really leaving their eyes off of the origination side at this point for us. So that's the good news in all of this is we don't have major legislation or regulatory changes piling on on top of us. Since we didn't get a chance to hear from MBA earlier, I think I'd just like to point out to folks that in the MBA news link today, their chart of the week was from their diversity, equity, and inclusion survey. And I thought this was a great chart. They just started this survey. The first results came in last year and showed that 82% of the respondents did have a DEI committee and 76% of them tracked the statistics for women and people of color. 71% have a formal and articulated DEI initiative. What was really interesting is 0% rated the level of transparency with sharing DEI data as high. So it is an area where lenders are still keeping certain things very close to the vest. We all know that what gets measured gets managed and what gets managed we can improve upon. So I do encourage lenders to go check this out. There is a place that you can click on in the newsletter so that you can sign up to be a part of the survey. I think it would just, the more lenders we can get involved in this, the better the data. Even if you're a lender who's not participating, I think that's helpful because because only the lenders who have a DEI program are participating. The data is always going to get skewed. So we would love to see all of those out there. Go check out the MBA News link and click on that and participate in this. Even if you're saying, "Eh, I don't know if I'm getting started yet this year, but I plan to get started next year, that would be great data. The other item I wanted to just bring up is been watching uh, remote online notaries. This is a big thing in the market that we want to keep advancing. haven't seen anything fully move yet beyond, I think it's like 36. 39 states that we have right now that are all clear. Just want to remind folks that Alta has a great website on this that you can go check out, check out the links, videos, everything you need to know. And Mm -hmm. last but not least, on my concerning legislation tracker, Senate (laughs) Bill 4072, just introduced at the beginning of April. Luckily, it's got zero chance, I think, of going anywhere, but it was interesting that a senator wants to set up that states would have the power to set a maximum APR cap. That would be problematic, right? We always talk about regulations at the state level. It's like you're driving the car down the road. You got to change your tires just before you go into that state because that state requires different tires. It's really problematic. So hopefully we just have to watch this one little piece and keep it off to the side. Other than that, that's the news of the day today, Dave. Good job. It's always fun to listen to the live comments come in. People love listening to you, Alice, and on the content <laughs> of what's going on. A lot of people agreed with you on the dialogue that Jack and Matt had was really, really interesting. There's so much attention on this. But also, you raise up a good point. So anyone who wants to go back and listen to any segment on this, you can go listen to it on a Lickton on Lending podcast website, which is com, And then you can download in the menu items. You can download and listen to Alice's commentary, Matt and Jack's commentary as they're talking about what's going on in the markets, Alan, everyone. Valuable for you can know, especially if you're researching a topic and you can pull out the segment. You can literally download that audio clip and share it in your meeting. Many people have done that. One person wrote me and said, if Alice was teaching a class, it would be the one class I would look forward to going to. So I thought that was a real compliment. I love the way you Share the information. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Well, let's get over to Alan Pollack. So, David, obviously all this noise online about Elon Musk buying Twitter, we mm. talked about it briefly. He obviously, the, the board has accepted that. But all of these jokes have moved their way on the Internet. And the, the new one that I just saw, which I thought was really, really funny, Elon Musk, and now they're saying he's going to buy all types of things, but this one's the best. He said that he's going to buy all of the McDonald's and then fix all the ice cream machines. <laughs> because it is known that McDonald's ice cream machines usually don't work. Don't so work. let's get on to some good, 
good news. There's a privacy problem going on. So if we thought that Amazon was listening to us, it is. And not that I needed to tell anyone that, but researchers have found that Amazon shares data collected by Alexa with, get it, 41 major advertising partners to serve not only personalized ads on Amazon, but also all over the web. So if you think about Amazon, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, everything, right? Everything you do Mm -hmm. is then taken. And if you shop at Walgreens, it's combined with that data and you are profiled and you don't even know it. So I know that in mortgage, there's a lot of boundaries as to how we can and can't advertise and can we use these types of platforms. But think about that and think about all the information. Uh, I also saw, David, in Celerate, I think I saw them mention today on the Internet that marketing and advertising, your message has to change. You cannot have the same message that you had many years ago because everything is so different. And the new types of borrowers that are engaging or their persona at the time they're engaging, right, how their mind is thinking – is also Mm -hmm. very different. And that obviously parlays into how we build our technology. So the focus, obviously, David, is still on the point of sale. Even though we're focused everywhere else, right, we're talking to people that are afraid or they're happy or sad or unsure about that transaction they're about to take. So let's move on a little bit. Fannie Mae, they've got a new product called HomeView, and it's to provide a more clear path to home ownership for your borrowers. And it talks about everything from saving to moving into your home, and it helps bring knowledge and confidence to them. Now, the reason I mention this, it's not a tech solution. It is an actual solution that you want to be interested in because this is something that you can link on your websites, in your tech solutions, in your emails, in the messaging and the communication with your borrowers and your prospects, the ability to help subside any concerns they possibly have. So check it out, Fannie Mae Home View. Well, David, we talk about data, right? We talk about all those types Mm -hmm. of great things. Well, Redfin, and they're not the only ones, they just had to implement an internal fair lending housing technology platform, which is a monitoring system. It was a $4 million legal settlement, by the way. And I'm going to read this verbatim. The suit focused on Redfin's practice of setting a minimum home price in each market to define whether it will offer its services for specific properties. So Redfin will continue using home price thresholds in their platform, but they now will implement a system to monitor and report on the impact of these thresholds for predominantly non-white communities and take corrective action as needed. So I don't know if that sounds like it's going to work or not, but we've talked about home lending and fair lending risks how many times, right? Even if we just mentioned it, they just listened to our podcast. They would have known that we'd said, you've got to be using the data and you have to make adjustments to your platform and you have to understand the type of market that you're serving. So if you haven't been looking at your data, you definitely want to. There are fantastic consulting companies, including CMS advisors, that can help you in that. So make sure you're looking at your fair lending risk, which is absolutely, absolutely critical. So David, we talked last week, right? Mortgage Finance Gazette, there's this great article that said, hey, what's a watch in mortgage technology for 2022? I talked about the first one, which is increased use of automation and data sources. I got a message from somebody that said everything is all about automation and data sources. So I want to talk about something on that topic today. And this point is in automation and quality control area, right? We all talked about artificial intelligence coming into our industry and everyone looking and kind of cracking the code on how to read a thousand mortgage documents, how to take data off of them. What do you do with that data? 
And so this one person wrote me back and, and they said, well, what do you think about quality control? Is that fall into automation? And then it really kind of connects with everything that was going on at MBA technology, David. So the point I want to get across to our listeners is that, and I think Jack, we even talked about this a few weeks back, quality control is absolutely critical to your process. There are technology vendors right now that are doing quality control at the beginning, the top of the funnel of the process. They're trying to help operations do a better job, right? There's been a lot of layoffs. There's been a lot of staff that is not needed. The question is, do you have quality control and do you have automation? Or are you doing what's called swivel chair integration, meaning you're physically swiveling from one screen or one person to the other? So OCR, extracting data, using that data, not only for analytics, which is going to be critical, and we talked about that a moment ago, but also to start doing an audit of the loan file. There are companies now, and these are the ones that everyone's talking about. They're doing income analysis. These companies are validating collateral. They're doing a waterfall approach to call out to additional integrations to bring in more data. And then it's basically called risk-based routing. Take that loan, assess as much data as possible, and route that loan to the next person in line. Don't send a loan that is a pure A-plus in grade to your best auditor or to your best underwriter because it's past its inspection of all those different things. You may want to get a cursory review of it, but you want to take your best underwriter, the one that can poke the holes and find out where the ants are starting to create their tunnels. Those are the ones that you want to have them look at those loans. So automatic quality control is also important later in the loan process, but at the point of sale where we're trying to use our best efforts and, and lower costs and re- increase ROI and reduce risk, we want to consider automation and quality control. And thanks to that listener that brought that up to me. So, David, for this week, that is all. I will mention one thing, David, real quick as I end the segment. There have been a lot of layoffs, and there's actually a lot of people looking to hire folks to reach out to us. There are great positions that are available. You can reach me, Alan, A-L-L-E-N, at tms-advisors.com, or you can reach David in his email address. Thanks, everyone. Yes. Have a great week. Great job. Appreciate it so much. There's interesting. What was that? Swivel chair? What was that? Several people said. Swivel chair integration. Swivel chair integration. So what you're doing is spinning in your swivel chair to the the multiple screens. Oh, interesting. Very good. Like that. New new term. Great. Yeah, I like that one. (laughs) Appreciate it. I guess the more people you have in your organization, David, the more swiveling you can do. So it was a good thing for a while. Yeah. Appreciate it, everybody, for being here for the first part of the podcast. Again, this ends the update of the weekly mortgage update. We're going to be continuing next week. Our focus is going to continue talking about marketing, what you can do to get intelligence of what's going on, and then what do you do with it. We've got Josh Lair coming on with Total Expert next week as our special guest. That wraps up this week's podcast. We are thrilled to have you as listeners. Thank you so much. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra Lenders One, Mobility MMI, Modex, the MBA, Knowledge Cube. The Mortgage Collaborative, SnapDoc, Success Kit, Lender Toolkit, Total Expert, Form Free, and Simple Nexus. Have a great week, everybody, and look forward to having you back here next week. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.